When George Lucas first handed over the keys of the Lucasfilm vault to Disney in 2012, he did so with an outline for episodes 7, 8, and 9. However, Lucas's vision of the sequel trilogy didn't fit with the direction that Disney wanted to take the franchise, and his ideas were ultimately thrown out by the studio in favor of what would eventually become the sequel trilogy as we know it. Thanks to a new book called The Star Wars Book Archives, 1999 through 2005, we have some insight directly from George himself, including the reveal that Darth Maul would have been the main antagonist, along with another Sith Lord directly from the comic books. You're listening to Han Talks First, and this episode is all about George Lucas's vision for the sequel trilogy. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Han, of course. I'm the host of Han Talks First, and you're here listening to our regular scheduled program on the show where we talk about random topics in Star Wars. And this week, it just so happens that there was some news that dropped about uh, George's original outline for the sequel trilogy. Uh, we do this every Wednesday here, and every Monday is the Mando Talk Show where we talk about um, the latest episode of The Mandalorian that comes out. Um, so please go check that out as well and look forward to next week's episode on uh, the season two. Okay, so before we get into our main topic, we're going to go into our new segment of the show called Star Wars Replay. This segment of the show is dedicated to events that happened in our Star Wars history on this week. So first up, we have 1978, the release of... Or, excuse me, the airing of the original Star Wars holiday special on NBC for the first and only time. Until, of course, its reboot, which came out yesterday on Disney Plus in Lego format. So we're actually going to be reviewing that next week on the channel, so stay tuned. Also in 2015, Star Wars Battlefront was launched... In 2008, Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode Two debuted on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. And finally, in 2015, Season of the Force began at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Do you feel old yet? Well, that was it for Star Wars Repay this week. Tune in next week to see about what events happened this week in our history in the Star Wars world. So, yeah, today we're talking about George Lucas's outline, and it was it kind of dropped out of out of nowhere. It was very random, and honestly, I didn't expect it this this early, uh, considering the sequel trilogy had just you know just come to a close only last year. But it was nice to hear. Uh, a lot of it was uh, uh, somewhat predictable, but a lot of it was also very misleading, considering some of the things we've heard in the past from George Lucas's mouth. So we all do know and remember his interview he had with James Cameron on his sci-fi show, where he said that originally he had planned to go into the microbiotic world of what is the Force and really deep dive into, you know, the wills and the journal of the wills and how everything is connected and bonded together through the Force, or as the prequelists would call them, midichlorians. For the audio listeners, I have a shirt on that says Midichlorians, gotta catch them all, but it's in the Pokemon uh, logo format, so 
I don't know. It's a really cool shirt my girlfriend got me, and I love it. Um, but yeah, so that's how we knew, at least prior to learning this information, what George Lucas was going to base this trilogy on, which I was actually very much... Uh, would have looked forward to. I think that is a deep dive into Star Wars theory. It, it's a theoretical approach to the other two trilogies that we've had in the past. Uh, you know, the first trilogy, the prequels, begin with this concept of the Force is um, a scientifical. It's an it's a scientifical approach to how we all live and function. And then the original trilogy is more of a mythical approach and a a spiritual um, connection to everything. And then the third one was, I guess, going to kind of bring both of those together and show how they they both coincide with each other. And I thought it was a very interesting idea. And honestly, that's something I really enjoy. Because while the midichlorians' introduction to, you know, Star Wars saga wasn't taken very well amongst fans... And while I have my own problems with it, I do think it's a fascinating concept that there is more to it than it's just an energy field com- that's that's built upon the energy of all living things. But I do believe you can deep dive into that and discover more, such as its origins and w- what it could be at its fruition. And knowing from what we've seen in the Clone Wars TV show, where we were introduced to what... I think are the wills when Yoda got to meet them. It's a very interesting idea that there are people in this universe that are overseeing everything similar to our own religion in our world where, you know, whether you believe in God or whether you believe in a, in just a higher power in general, there is something that connects all of us together. And that's what this was going to be. And George Lucas has a way of doing that. And I think that stems from his anthropological background, which is the study of human behavior and culture and society. And I don't know. I mean, George Lucas, he gave up. It wasn't an easy thing for him to give up the rights to Star Wars. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that. You know, when he was approached by Bob Iger, who was the head of Disney, the CEO at the time, when he approached him to purchase Star Wars, it... It took George a year to think on it after he was first asked if he would sell the company. And, of course, when he sold it to them, he was under the impression he would be a counsel and give them an outline that they would follow to continue to make more movies and that he would still be, in some way, involved with the making of future Star Wars movies. That didn't turn out to be the case, and he ultimately cut himself off from the Force just as Luke did. And he decided to no longer be involved in any way, creatively speaking. He visited the sets and is still friendly with everybody, And but I, I do think it's a very respectful approach of him, the way he handled it. It's either he's involved in some way or he's not involved at all. But he still is friendly amongst them and will. He's he's been very kind when he speaks about the sequel trilogy, you know. There's rumors that he doesn't like them. He may not like them. He may love them. We don't know. But he does not use himself as an endorsement for the company. So he will he will not use his power swaying one way or the other. And I respect that a lot. George Lucas is my hero, my idol. I, I respect this guy 100%. And 
you know, he, he holds himself in such a high esteem and regard. And that's just something I would like to, you know, do with my life. But we're here today to talk about what else came to light when talking about his sequel trilogy, because it's more than just the microbiotic world of the Force and how it works. But we got some actual plot details, and I think it's very interesting. So now this is all; these are all excerpts from the, this book, which is called the um, the Star Wars Book Archives, which I'm very look, much looking forward to. And it it contains some interviews with George Lucas from back in 1999 all the way up until 2019, so last year which is pretty crazy. Now, we all know George is the kind of person to claim he has a plan for something when he never actually had a plan for something. So you could take this with a grain of salt that he actually had everything planned out from the beginning, or he's just kind of riffing at the, in the moment of these interview questions. That's something I believe. I believe he did have an outline that he gave to Disney. But some of these quotes I'm going to read to you from more recent times, I do believe he's kind of just word vomiting and kind of doing it on the spot. But I'm going to start by reading you this first quote from George, which kind of covers everything you need to know. So it says here, I had planned for the first trilogy to be about the father, the second trilogy to be about the son, and the third trilogy to be about the daughter and the grandchildren. Episodes seven, eight, and nine would take ideas from what happened after the Iraq war. And he goes on to say, okay, you fought the war, you killed everybody, and now what are you going to do? Rebuilding afterwards is harder than starting a rebellion or fighting the war. When you win the war and you disband the opposing army, what do, you, what, what do they do? The stormtroopers would be like Saddam Hussein's Baathrist. Baathrist, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, he would be like Hussein's fighters that joined ISIS and kept on fighting. And the stormtroopers refused to give up when the Republic wins. He goes on to say that they can, the, the stormtroopers want to be stormtroopers forever, and they want to go to a far corner of the galaxy, start their own country and their own rebellion, and there's a power vacuum, so gangsters like the Huts are taking advantage of the situation, and there is chaos. The key person is Darth Maul, who had been resurrected in the Clone Wars cartoons, and he brings all the gangs together. Maul's very old, and we have two versions of him. One is with a set of cybernetic legs like a spider, and then later on he has metal legs, and he was a little bit bigger and more of a superhero. We did all of this in the animated series, and he was in a bunch of episodes. So that's, that's it for that, that quote. Now what he's kind of, he's kind of all over the place in this, when he's, he's talking about the evolution that they've done with Maul in the Clone Wars series, but also how it's kind of going to tie into his original outline for the sequel trilogy. So yes, he was going to be a part of the sequels and apparently one of the main villains along with another who I'll talk about here in a second. But this, I do believe this is true. I don't believe he's just kind of, you know, spitting out random ideas on the spot for this because he did want to bring Maul back in the Clone Wars. That was an idea he had all the way from the beginning of this um, prequel trilogy. He loved the character of Maul. Everyone loves the character of Darth Maul. Uh, we wish we had more of him in episodes two and episodes three. He was such a lovable character. He's just a very, a very cool design, a unique design character. Um, we didn't know much about him. He was mysterious. And that's one thing that Star Wars villains have in common, Boba Fett. You can call him a villain if you want. If you don't want to, I understand. But to me, he's a villain. 
And part of that, what makes those villains in Star Wars very interesting is they're all very mysterious. Maul is very mysterious. But in the Clone Wars, we got his backstory. You know, he comes from Dathomir. Dathomir has a rich history in Star Wars universe. You know, the separation of male and female on both sides of the planet. The female are ten, tending to be uh, witches, and um, they, they conjure up spells, and they have uh, a strong connection with the Force as well. And the men on the planet are the, uh, the inferior and they are used for breeding and for slave work and um, all that kind of stuff. And Darth, uh, Darth Maul was a Zabrak of a certain breed of that species that um, went on to become one of the more powerful of them and possess powers of his own in the Force. And th- there's a whole, so much you could talk about with Dathomir and uh, Zabraks and Darth Maul as far as his story is concerned, I might consider doing an episode all on that uh, in the upcoming days. But I do believe he had planned for Darth Maul to come back in some way. And doing the Clone Wars TV series gave him a great opportunity to kind of expand upon that character. And in some way, if he was going to do a sequel trilogy, it would be a very easy way to bring him back into it. Darth Maul would have been one of the last people I would have thought would have made a resurgence to the Star Wars. I honestly didn't realize George Lucas had thought about that all the way back at the beginning. But apparently this quote here does uh, come back from uh, the early 2000s when he was talking to this author of this book. I'm sorry, I cannot find his name. I wish I had it prepared, but... ah. If you look up the Star Wars Book Archives 1999 through 2005, you will find his name. Um, and I will be ordering this book as soon as I can. I'm not sure when it comes out, but you guys should check it out. So, yeah, Maul coming back, I think it's a great idea. And I think George doing it would have been a very powerful way. I'm going to read another quote here because Lucas went on to explain that, you know, Darth Maul would not have been the only villain. And George Lucas would have actually drawn from the expanded universe and in particular the Star Wars Legacy comic book series. And he was going to incorporate a, a second Sith Lord called Darth Talon, which is a, a, a tw- of the Twi'lek species. And in the comic books, she is one of the uh, apprentices of Darth Maul and goes on to become a Vader-esque type character. Uh, I'll read the quote here. So Darth Maul trained a girl, Darth Talon, who was in the comic books as his apprentice. She was the new Darth Vader, and most of the action was with her. So these were the two main villains of the trilogy. Maul eventually becomes godfather of crime in the universe because as the Empire falls, he takes over. The movies are about how Leia, I mean, who else is going to be the leader, trying to build the Republic. They still have the apparatus of the Republic, but they have to get it under control from the gangsters. That was the main story. This makes sense. Darth Maul led uh, Crimson Tide. Is that what it's called? Crimson Dawn. I'm sorry. Crimson Tide is that Guillermo del Toro uh, movie. (laughs) So he led Crimson Dawn. And Crimson Dawn was essentially this this underground crime unit, uh, similar to, like uh, I guess, a black market. And he ruled uh, those crime syndicates. And again, this was established in Clone Wars, and I guess a little bit in Rebels. I'm not too sure. Towards the end of Rebels, maybe. Or maybe I'm thinking of the end of Clone Wars. But there was story set up there. He, after his fall from, you know, Darth Sidious and being beaten by Obi-Wan Kenobi, 
continues down his path of trying to rebuild his his worth in the galaxy, and he he goes about doing that by not only by his brother finding him and trying to join Leaves and just get vengeance from Count Dooku and, of course, Darth Sidious, which he failed at. And once he decided he could not, you know, defeat Darth Sidious, decided to go in the underground systems of this universe and just organize crime and be the leader of that. And this makes sense for him to finally come back to the top after Darth Sidious's death in Return of the Jedi, because he was the he was the only one who he couldn't defeat. But with Darth Sidious out of the picture, Darth Maul is number one baddie, right? He he has no one who can take him down at that point. So he would become the new threat to the galaxy. He would probably apprehend all the factions of um, stormtroopers that were left behind and try and rebuild them, rebrand them. Think about that. Think about the stormtroopers that would be branded towards a Darth Maul empire. They would probably be probably be painted in red with like, uh, kind of like the, uh, red with the black stripes that Darth Maul has on his face or like horns on the helmet that it would have been sick. It would have been so cool. And I'm sure that's what Lucas would have done. It, it, and it, of course it was going to reflect the Iraq war. Like I said, in last week's episode about how star Wars, um, is familiar and reflects reality in our own world, you know, from previous uh, moments in history, like the Roman Empire and um, the Nazi regime, uh, the Fourth Reich, the Fifth Reich. Um, this was going to, as George Lucas said, kind of reflect the happenings of the Iraq War and what the country does after something like that. Saddam Hussein's uh, fighters joined the new ISIS and they started. They kept on fighting for what um, Hussan had believed in. This would have been the stormtroopers joining a new force, and it would have been Maul's underground syndicate. And they would have gone on to continue the fight that the emperor was doing, but it would be for a new leader, and it would have been for Maul. And I think Maul would have... Honestly, Maul is the real villain when it comes to the two, because the emperor, while he was evil and he did terrible things... The Empire was very organized, and it was very... It, Darth Sidious had a plan. The Emperor had a plan. He was, he was a leader. Uh, I know it's kind of hard to maybe understand that, because he's such a bad guy, but he had a plan for what he was doing. He was able to control so many people, and he was able to annex these worlds and have so much influence over everybody because he was very meticulous and he was very, uh, yeah, he just had, he was a very planned out dude, you know? And Maul, on the other hand, is not. He is reckless. He doesn't have a plan. He just wants control and he wants power. He's eager for that power. And a lot of that stems from his upbringing, which was very troubled. You know, most of his actions are, spawned from his vengeance that he wants against Count Dooku, that he wants against Darth Sidious, that he wants against Obi-Wan Kenobi, anyone who has done him wrong in the past. And if you haven't seen Rebels, I highly, highly recommend it. Season two is absolutely incredible. Season three as well. Uh, 
if you're going to start somewhere and you're not really that interested in it, start at season two of Rebels. Darth Maul comes into it and he plays a big part. And he he joins forces with Ezra and convinces him to be on his side for a little bit. And he uses him so he could eventually confront Obi-Wan for the last time. So if, I mean, now Rebels does not take place in canon if George Lucas had kept the sequel trilogy because, as, as we all know, spoiler, he did die in Rebels uh, very poetically, I would say. And it probably would have been how he died in the sequel trilogy. But that's just speculation because George Lucas had no involvement with that. But anyway, so yes, Darth Talon would have been the second Sith to be in this trilogy. And so I guess it would have kind of mirrored the original trilogy in that way, being that she would have been like a Darth Vader-like. And I, I like the idea that it is a girl. It reminds me a little bit of the second sister from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. That's what it is, the video game. I never read the comics for Star Wars Legacy. Uh, So I don't know anything about Darth Talon, actually. Um, I'm very interested now, of course. And George Lucas loved to do this, you know, bring in EU ideas. I mean, as much as he would say it's, it's not canon and it's not actual Star Wars, there was a lot that he actually did recognize as talented and intellectual and also uh, just good storytelling. And this is one example of which. Um, Darth Talon, she was going to be the apprentice to Maul. You know, there were probably, she was, she definitely would have been more powerful than Darth Vader in the sense that she has complete functionality of all of her limbs and connection to the Force, where Darth Vader's was a little bit constrained due to his lack of midichlorian count after he lost so many limbs. But how does all of this with Darth Maul and Darth Talon and the stormtroopers finding a new alliance, how does this tie into the microbiotic world that George Lucas mentioned to us last uh, two years ago? Well, it's very interesting George Lucas also goes on to say that by the end of the trilogy, Luke would have rebuilt much of the Jedi, and he would have had a renewal of the New Republic, with Leia, Senator Organa, becoming the Supreme Chancellor in charge of everything. So she ended up being the Chosen One. That is a quote from George Lucas. She ended up being the Chosen One. Now, there's a little bit of pushback on this from a bunch of fans, because a lot of people argue Luke is the Chosen One. A lot more people argue that Anakin is the Chosen One. I believe all three of them are a part of this Chosen One prophecy. Anakin being the first, Luke being the second, and Leia being the third. Uh, They're all part of the same lineage. Anakin being born of no man would seem to be the start of this one family being the Chosen One of this universe and bringing balance to it all. And... Going back to how the microbiotic world of the Force would tie into everything, it sounds like Luke would have studied the theory of the Force a little bit more after the events of Return of the Jedi. This brings me back to the ideas from the Timothy Zahn books, the Art of the Empire trilogy. 
I do believe a lot of that would have been implemented into this George Lucas's sequel trilogy as well. Um, because for the longest amount of time in the 90s, those were considered to be, you know, the actual events that happened after Return of the Jedi. Now, of course, a lot of people at that time, they didn't have the luxury that we have today of knowing what actually happens <laughs> on screen anyway. But l- looking at all of this, I do think it would have been Leia's story taking up control again of the new New Republic and bring and becoming the Chancellor. But Luke would have been the one to discuss the theoretical aspects of the Force and how it, how it all originated. And closing out this chapter, I think it would have been a, a beautiful tie. And of course, he doesn't go on to explain more about the grandchildren, but I do believe that is the little that we got left tagged along into the sequel trilogy as we know it, which is Rey and Kylo Ren. I think it would have been primarily focused on them. One thing that's a little weird to me is Darth Maul would have been very old in this this uh, series, this trilogy. I don't know how Zabrak's age, but Darth Maul would probably have been 60, 70, just off the top of my head, somewhere around there. Now, while the dark side does give you, you know, dark energy, makes you live longer, um, it would have been odd to see him at that age, mainly because, you know, when we think of Darth Maul, we think of the acrobatic, kinetic fighting moves that he does and how, how, how much he relies on that for his, uh, his character, his physique. And maybe we wouldn't have seen that much fighting from him in this projected trilogy, but I don't know. Maybe we would have relied more on Darth Talon. Regardless of which, I, I hope this book has more information on this, more than has come to light in um, recent days. So I, we'll probably get to talk more about you know, what comes from this book. And hopefully one day we will get a novel, uh, an interview, a memoir from George Lucas that says, like, beat by beat what this would have actually been. You know, it it is impossible to know how this version of the sequel trilogy would have farred against the one audiences actually got. With each of the films in the sequel trilogy proving to be extremely divisive amongst Star Wars fans and the fan base as a whole. It, it's it's not exactly clear on if Lucas's original version would have been better, especially since the prequel trilogy was originally planned when he had full creative control and that wasn't handled very well. But I think if we did get the George Lucas sequel trilogy... In all, I think it would have been appreciated much more than the Disney one. And I mean that in a sense where it would be a completely finished work by its original author. And I do believe George Lucas had an idea of how he wanted to round out this shape. And it makes me really sad sometimes that, you know, we'll never get to hear about it, which is why I hope he'll write a book someday or memoirs about what he had originally hoped. And we don't just get little bits and pieces here and there that are hearsay from other people who have spoken to George Lucas. 
Um, but I don't know. It's kind of weird to talk about because it's, it, we're never going to get it. So it's, it's kind of like, well, what's, we're just fantasizing at this point, like the Colin Trevorrow script. You know, we, we, got, we got that script out. So maybe, maybe one day we will get George's actual planned outline. It would be, that would be some crazy news. That would go around like wildfire, you know? And we'll never know if it's, if it could, if it could have been great, you know, but we can, we can speculate. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener, please consider subscribing or checking out some other episodes of the show. We talk about a lot of different topics here. And if you want to tune in next week, next Monday, and we're going to talk about the newest episode of the Mandalorian. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, may the force be with you.